everyone, and welcome to another episode of Getting Hammered. I'm your host, Mary Catherine Ham. I'm here with my co-host, Vic Mattis of the Washington Free Beacon. We are your morning show for any hour, getting you caught up on the news. But first, the news of us. How are you doing, Vic? Which is really the only thing that matters. Come on, let's be honest here. <laughs> the most important news That's of the That's why day. everybody tunes in, right? It is. Hello, Mary Catherine. I'm sure it must have just slipped your mind and when you forgot to wish me happy Asian Pacific Heritage American you know, I Heritage had, Month. I had a whole plan. I was going to cook traditional food. Oh, yes. Thank you. Thank at you. the risk of, of displaying my ignorance and thereby being problematic and appropriating. appropriating. Well, you know, I have, You know, it's, just, it's a minefield. Oh. It's, that's right. I got the email from our public school telling us this. And in fact, yesterday I was having lunch at the Tabard Inn with our friend Matt Continetti. Oh, lovely. And on the menu, I couldn't believe this, they had the, the, the Tabard has their traditional fare of, you know, Cuban sandwiches and burgers and fancy things. And suddenly I saw pan sit, which is Filipino noodles. Oh. It's the clear noodles, which, mm-hmm. and from, I said, wow, it was so weird to see it on a menu because, you know, it's just something that you grow up with and you don't often see it outside of, I guess, ethnic, real ethnic restaurants. But to see it at the Tabard Inn, I was almost tempted to get it just to see how much worse it is than my mother's. But I decided not to because I'm like, it's like I'm not going to pay for something that I could essentially make. And it's a weird thing. Maybe it's a weird thing. Did this make you feel like you had advanced in our culture? Yes. Yes. yes, The representation mattered to you. Yes. It's been slow but coming. And I remember when I was, I used to cover Top Chef. Mm-hmm. for the the, the, da- the the Daily Standard. And every week uh, on Top Chef, I got to interview the losing chefs, oh, which nice. was a lot of fun on the phone. And one of them was, there were two, twice there were finalists who were Filipinos. And we would always talk about, when are you going to come out with a Filipino restaurant? Right. You know, Tilde was one of them. And I forgot the other fellow's name, really nice fellow, basically from Hawaii, but that counts. And, <laughs> and now there are like, you know, really fancy ones, which is crazy in the city. I don't know if they're actually still there anymore. We had one in Arlington, which has gone during COVID. It, right. it suffered. But nonetheless, I remember we took my mother to a Filipino restaurant near us in Arlington. And I thought, oh, this would be great. She hated it. The only reason why she hated it, she goes, I can make this myself. Why would you get this? Why would they put this on here? Which I had never had that experience before. Because That's like me if you send me to a really fancy Southern food place. I'm like, I, I don't bet. feel like this needs to be fancied up. I bet. And I feel like I, I could bet. get it at- I bet. You know, I a bet. hole in the wall. Well, here's but here's here's what's coming. Although, if you want to take me to fancy southern food, yes. do not hesitate. I will. I will not be sad about it. I'm just. You'll saying. judge as long as somebody else is paying. <laughs> yes, you'll just judge exactly. it. Exactly. I I also noticed, however, in the email from our school, it's not only Asian Pacific Her- American Heritage Month. It is also Jewish American Heritage Month. Uh-huh. I asked our friend Dan Halper. I said, "Must we share the same month?" I know, the tragedy. The of tra- this. Is it necessary? So I, I'm going to make a I'm going to make a egg drop matzo ball soup. Love it. Is, <laughs> Love it. Okay, Mary Catherine, uh, how are you? And where have you been? Oh my gosh, I'm okay. Because this is like you know what it's like. You should do, like where in the world is Carmen I know, San Diego? I know, it's and so it's ongoing. You're in only fact, here that's, briefly. that's the outfit that I wear when I travel. That's it's nice. Very inconspicuous. Yes. I like to blend in. <laughs> Just a red, giant red hat and a that's red right. trench coat. That's, right. that's what I wear everywhere I go. <laughs> So I was in New Hampshire, as you know. Came yes, back, Wentworth by the sea. Came back for a couple of nights, jet set it again, this time to Chicago, and I left 
all four of the kids with Steve because the baby had quite a bit of congestion. Oh, and I thought, no. baby on a plane with no, congestion no, no, no. sounds like a bad mm-hmm. idea. Mm-hmm. He did great. Steve handled everything, as is his way. In fact, I came back and both the babies were bathed, which I thought was like a little show-offy. Anyway, wow. <laughs> like they smelled good. I'm yeah. like, okay, nice job, Steve. Slow clap. He's very capable. Very good. My, I, you know, my kids are now old. Yeah. They don't bathe. You know, as, <laughs> as, as, it's <laughs> good. It all goes, it's, it's, it's all yeah, cycle. That's right. So I take off to Chicago where I appeared on a panel with Matthew Continetti. He told In Chicago on for the Chicago Humanities Festival, which is sort of like an intellectual nice. salon, yes. sort of a gathering yes. Of, yes. of folks. We had a nice discussion about the GOP and the future of the GOP for mostly liberal audience and sort of tried to explain these things. Matt, of course, the author of The Right, which is a hundred-year history of conservatism and how it works inside and outside of the GOP, which, because I like to cram, I picked up right before this panel. Yeah. Now, do I feel a little bad that I hadn't read it earlier? Yes, but I did have two babies in two years, and that was during the time that this book was out. You have better excuses than I do, (laughs) although I read this book, as you know, from cover to cover. Yes, Vic, Vic was the was editing on this. I book. was the final reader. Did you have a hardcover? The paperback. The paperback is now coming out. I have a hardcover, but I'm glad that you said that because everybody should read it. Because yeah. I got to tell you, I got to tell you, it moves right along. It's they have a new afterward, afterward mm-hmm. epilogue. So. It's a it's a fantastic book, and I felt I felt smarter having read some of it before I got on the panel with Matt, who he can carry all that intellectual weight anyway. But there's a whole nice a, to be there just to help a little. It well, you know, it's interesting from the book is there's a whole world of National Review that I didn't know about. Yeah. Like, outside of William F. Buckley, mm-hmm. with, right. like, Whitaker Chambers. Yeah. I sort of have the, the the cliffs notes of this book in my head, yeah. and then I read it, and I'm like, oh, there's no. so much more to yeah. this. So, good read. I commend it to you guys. If you look at it, you're like, oh, this is a quite a tome, but Matt is a great writer, and yeah. it moves right along. It's very entertaining. It's very clean. And interesting. Very clean I mean, copy. Matt, the person's very clean. I mean, the copy, too, though. <laughs> Super clean copy. Yeah. So I read some of that. No, I wandered around Chicago a bit. And I got to tell you, you got so much time on your hands when you don't have four people who oh. need you. <laughs> it's really... I was like, after the panel was over, I had the day to kill. And I was like, well, what do I do? do so i finished most of that giant book well i I think part of the enjoyment must be doing nothing yes so i sort of wandered and the weather was nice for a little while but then it turned on me as chicago is wont to do and it started being drizzly and cold so i went to the dry house museum do you know of this it is a restored gilded age mansion oh wow in chicago and it's like just marble floor to ceiling and the intricate tile work and the the carved wood in every corner. I mean, it's where, where, insane. Where is this in this? North of the river, okay. maybe. Yeah. So not like, not on like Michigan Ave or anything on the Miracle no, Magnificent but, Mile. No, north of that, but north. not too far. Got it. A walking Got distance it. from the Magnificent Mile. And it was gorgeous. So I did yes. that for a while, nerded out, listened to some audio tour. Did you feel, what did you feel? Because, you know, we watched the news mm-hmm. and... At least one channel shows the looting from not too long ago. The other channels don't show it at all. So it's either everything is great or everything is terrible. What's your take? So, first of all, Chicago is such a beautiful city. It's, it's I, an architect's dream. It's so beautiful. And yeah. until I get there, I always forget how beautiful it is. And then I got in my first Uber and they were playing sort of like old-timey music on a, like one of the satellite channels. And I was yes. like, this is great. It really set the mood. Uh-huh. 
except for the fact that she was driving a Tesla. And I do have to put on my to-do list, watch a YouTube that teaches you how to open the door to a Tesla so all of your Uber drivers don't think you're dumb because I cannot do it. This just happened to me. I think this it's is very like complicated. They finally they must have finally allowed Teslas to be Ubers, Maybe. The, the black Teslas, because it only happened to me for the first time last week. And it shows up and it looks great. It is fancy. And I'm like, where? What? Yeah. I see the outline of the handle. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's a real tease. How, yeah, long, so how long did it take you to figure out? Or did he have to get out? And he open didn't the door get out. You? But the guy who was standing in front of the hotel just went ahead and did it for <laughs> me. So as far as the safety feeling of the, of the city, broad daylight in well-trafficked yes. areas, Magnificent Mile area, yes. seemed totally fine. I will say that from my hotel, which was north of the river, like half a mile, I heard quite a loud fight outside at oh. one point around 6 yeah. p.m. And it included, and I was eight floors up, so it was very loud. Wow. And it included sirens. So I don't know what oh. came of that, but I just stayed in my room. <laughs> Good idea. Away from the window. Yes. Was the a conference also in this area or a different location? Near the museum district. Oh, so okay. That's why I was walking between sort yes. of the magnificent, yes. magnificent mile in there. So, and the walking was good for me. Do you know why? Because right before I got on the plane to go to Chicago, I did something called the Manion Wad. Oh, yes. Which is a, many fallen veterans have a CrossFit workout of the day named for them. And Travis Manion has one. And so on the anniversary of his death, which is 429, this was the 16th year since he wow. died yep. 16th anniversary and so i had a, a little crew we went to a an alexandria gym 10 of us or so mm-hmm. did this workout which is 29 squats 400 meter run oh that sounds okay right seven times seven rounds of 29 squats and 400 meter run and the actual weight that you're supposed to do with the squats as a woman is 95 pounds <laughs> And for a man, 130. Oh, come on. Hold okay. on now. Hold on. When you're doing squats, you mean like, you know, where you're standing there with weights on each side and then you Yeah, you can do the knees. weights in any sort of form. Some people do sandbags. Sh- some people do yeah, the rack. Sure. I did body weight squats because I thought- 20, Was that his age, 29? No, 429 is the date. Oh, 29 the date. Right. Yeah. So oh, I did body weight squats because I was like, I am not properly trained for this. Steve, just like bathing the babies- he did the full weight. Oh, of- There was one woman who did the full weight as well. Very impressive. Yeah. And I am going to publicly curse her name because Steve's totally going to make me do that next year. And he's like, oh, at least you could do it. Why could you do it? At any rate, I survived, but I am uh, very sore. Very, yeah. very sore and was sore throughout Chicago. But it's a Had I been sore. pursued, had I been pursued on the streets of Chicago, running, I'm not sure I could have done. Could have hopped, <laughs> I was handy- hopped and skipped. Your way out of trouble. Now, you asked me about steak places. Where did you end up? Okay, Come on. So, where did you go? And please, so, whatever you do, I hope I hope the two words I hope not to hear are room service. No, I did okay, not get good, room good, service. Good. You went out. I asked. I promptly texted Vic and said, where should I eat? Oh. And he told me where. But then I realized that I was so tired on the day that I got in and so sore that I could not muster the energy to go to another steakhouse. Luckily... In my hotel, oh, the Palm, the pa- tried and true, went and had a it steak is. downstairs no, at the Palm. The Chicago Palm is good. Later, I had a deep dish pizza at one of the at yes. Lou Malnati's. Lou Malnati's um, is good. Giordano's is so good, I, too. So I visited a couple more Chicago-like places, and then I got to see the lovely Cat Temp oh my. at a book event. She's got the number one best-selling yes. nonfiction. It's called, it's called You Can't Joke About That. I believe something it's 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 phrasy. My she, goodness. So she did a she did a book event at this great 
sort of 1920s era. She live wasn't protested. Club. No, it was like That's all the dissidents her. in Chicago need somewhere to go, so they yeah. all came. I got recognized more in 20 minutes than I have in the past 10 years because it's all Fox News people oh, who knew sure. me from back from back in the day. So she did a PJ 13 to to R-rated performance because <laughs> you know Cat Temp on yeah. Gutfeld is like yes censored more. Cat Temp. This is this is wide open Cat Temp. Guy Benson moderated a bit, asked her a few oh, questions, goodness. and then we all went out to have some beers afterwards. So, so this is a, in addition. You did two events in, 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 in you yes. crammed both in, in, yes. inside, like two, and the conference I, and this. And then I flew home. Today or tomorrow I go to Philly for another thing and come back Thursday. And Thursday Philly. I was supposed to fly to L.A. for the Bill Maher show, but now I will not be doing that because there's a writer's strike. Interesting. You mentioned the Thursday thing about possibly going to L.A., which is not mm-hmm. now not happening. Don't you ever wonder, like, how much of this thing, the thing they can do themselves, can't they do some of the writing themselves? Or is it that they don't want to in solidarity? So there's a solidarity part it. to it, and there's a practicality part to it. So I'm not sure exactly what's going to become of any of these shows. Many of them many of them will do a couple weeks off and then go back to yeah. some sort of semblance of a show. The stars so. of the show will survive. Yes. yes. Yeah. I did enjoy at the Met Gala, where everyone is literally, literally there on a $50,000 ticket. Right. And they're all being asked about the writer's strike and they're like, like brushing their swan feathers like I stand in solidarity with the good laborers of the guild. And it's you, like, you could pay a writer with what you're wearing. Did you did you like Jared Leto's outfit? His cat outfit. Cat. I, actually, I actually kind of did. It looked like when I saw the first picture of it. And I guess this is sort of the idea. It was so surreal that it looked like a meme. Yes. Already. He yeah. made himself into a Like meme. somebody had sort of digitally enhanced yes. and photoshopped. It was like an AI cat. Particularly at the, Met. the cat head yeah. looks like a real cat. It's yeah. terrifying. No, it was it's like I a, actually, a giant cat. I actually quite enjoyed it. Quite enjoyed it. But I, I, I just laughed at the idea of all these, these such rich people being like, yes, yes, I, I am in solidarity with the writers. I hope they get there. Seventy thousand dollars a year, or whatever, yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's quite a, quite a. So uh, yeah, it's right up there with the tax, the rich outfit. Anyway, but now I'm now I'm okay. although I'm disappointed that I don't get to do that show. It does make my week somewhat easier. And Steve's. And Steve's. And Steve's. Yeah. Now, I, in case our listeners are wondering, I told Mary Catherine of two places to go for steak. One yes. is Gene and Giorgetti's, which was I think Sinatra used to go there until one day he also went into Morton's. Morton's of Chicago is the real deal. I mean, it was there. I mean, oh, there was yes, a, that's, that makes, that's, yeah, that's yeah. where, that's where it all happened. And then the other one, and I, and also Gene and Trajetti's where Matt Labash and I went in 1996 after the Democratic convention. I was 23. He was 26. Oh my God. That is a long time ago. These babies. The, yes. And, and we asked for the dinner menus at lunch. Thank you, Rupert Murdoch. And then, and then the other places. Oh, no, no. The these, other, yeah. these $50 steaks will not do. No, we no. need to step it he, up. I was so, you know, I deferred to him. I was an editorial assistant. He was a staff writer. He's like, no, no, no. Can you give us the other menus? Like, we don't want the lunch. <laughs> we don't want any lunch specials. And then Those the, were the, the dates. The other don't places, get any ideas, magazine writers. That's right. It's not like that. Such that they are. You can't do that now. It's not like that now. Gibson's is the other place, which yes. is excellent. Okay. All right. Shall we do the news? Let's do it. All right. SCOTUS. Let's talk a little SCOTUS. Oh, man. Oh, there's so much SCOTUS news, and it all has a theme. It's interesting, really. Wouldn't you know it? Wouldn't you know it, Vic? So we're going we're gonna to run through some of the storylines, and we'll decide if there's a pattern mm-hmm. and if it's intentional. I think it affects only six justices now. Yeah. I'm not sure. Huh. Hmm. Huh. 
Okay, so this all, this all began with a ProPublica report about Justice Clarence Thomas going on trips with his friend Harlan Crow, who is a Dallas billionaire, and that that billionaire was paying for these trips. And although the billionaire has never had business before the court, that this could be problematic. And the left is now, because of that story, pushing for different ethics rules for the court. Now, the things that Clarence Thomas did did not violate the no. current ethics rules, which do require them to disclose various things, but presumably not vacationing with a friend if that friend doesn't have business before the court. So at any rate, now there's a push to have a different set uh, of ethics rules. And weirdly, like you said, they're, they're only talking about the ethics rules for six of the justices. Yeah, there's some, yeah I feel like it's There's some that six. have strangely gotten a pass in this discussion. So let's run through it. And this is with the help of friendly fact checker and one of my favorite Twitter followers, A.G. Hamilton 29. Yeah. Okay. So the Washington Post headline, this is just in the last week and a half. Washington Post headline, Clarence Thomas has for years claimed income from a defunct real estate firm. Well, that sounds problematic, oh right? Yeah. yeah. He's done for. If you read the actual story, you will find Washington Post discovered that Clarence Thomas has been declaring income from, quote, Ginger Holdings LLC instead of, quote, Ginger Limited Partnership since 2006. Which the I, uh, I the LLC changed like, its name and he didn't change the formulation of how he wrote that. On I, that's punishable by like 10 years imprisonment. I mean, it's got to be. It's got to be. All right. CNN headline. Companies with company with ties to GOP mega donor and longtime friend of Justice Thomas had business before the Supreme Court. All right, you read the details, and you will find that CNN discovered that a company Harlan Crow's family had a minority interest in was involved in a case that SCOTUS declined to consider. That's right. Crow and his company had no involvement in the case. All right, so that's a big scoop. Politi it, ha it had to do with his father. It was yeah. Trammell, and. Had they decided to take on the the case, mm -hmm. then, yeah, he would have had to recuse right. himself. But he did it. And it's like, aha. So went back to the Fifth Circuit and then it ruled in his favor. Therefore, he should have recused himself from the I, case that didn't That they didn't the take? Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. But still, should have mentioned it. Politico. Law firm head bought Gorsuch-owned property and it goes on to imply all sorts of misdeeds. Politico, this is A.G. Hamilton again, Politico discovered that Justice Gorsuch correctly declared the sale of his portion of an LLC that sold property to a partner at a law firm. That partner never met Gorsuch and is a big Dem donor. Yes. It, and like the, the, the story itself notes that what Gorsuch did and the way that he disclosed all this, because he did disclose it, was correct. He did it correctly. And then one of the, a guy who's like a, a lawyer who does specifically this kind of right. work with LLCs, he did a whole thread going like, there's absolutely nothing here. There's yeah. zero here. And it's just dressed up to look as if this is some sort of violation. And it's not even a violation of the actual code. That's right. And the people are calling it like a bribery scandal when, in fact, you know, what the what is the aim here? And the aim is to create this appearance of impropriety. Right. And once you can incept that into the public's mind, then maybe we can all start demanding that our congressional leaders hold them responsible and then maybe have them demand them to come before right. a committee. So that's, that is yeah. the step that's underway. Now, let me give you one more headline. Mm -hmm. Business insider Jane Roberts, who is married to Chief Justice John Roberts, made $10.3 in commissions from elite law firms. Whistleblower documents show 
A.G. Hamilton again, Business Insider, discovered that Justice Roberts' wife is a successful recruiter for major law firms. None of her recruits have ever argued before SCOTUS. Uh, Jane Roberts, of course, was a lawyer because lawyers tend to, like, court and marry mm -hmm. each other. And so she has expertise in this area. And then she became a recruiter instead of a lawyer. The Washington Examiner notes today that, or notes this week, that Katanji Brown-Jackson omitted several things from her disclosures before she came before yeah. the the Senate during her hearings. And yet, interestingly, there's no outcry about that. If I were Amy Coney, Coney Barrett and Brett Kavanaugh, I'd be getting nervous because they're next. And of course, they tried things on them in the past, particularly Kavanaugh, who, as you know, yeah, was... is, a, is a gang rape leader who happens right. to be serving right. Well, and this, uh, it, on it's the Supreme It's the same Court. process, which is just bring forth enough people yeah. to say enough things that sound bad, but that don't, you don't actually have proof of them being no. real but you throw as much, or problematic. as many things on the wall and you just see what sticks. And, I, and don't let these things get in the way of a good story. So Dick Durbin, oh. Senator, Democratic Senator, called Chief Justice John Roberts to testify for a hearing, but it turns out that Roberts has quite a bit of knowledge about the separation of powers. So he said no, because they don't- That's right. They're literally not, not the boss of them. Answerable to that? No, <laughs> it's just not a thing. I thought uh, Senator Kennedy had a great a great statement on this at at this hearing. Now, Senator Kennedy. It's funny um, to say that now because that would have been a long time, not too long ago. Ted Kennedy. Right, different <laughs> different Kennedy. This is John Kennedy, Louisiana, Louisiana, and entertaining speaker, smart guy, and a guy who has been catching many of Biden's. Yeah. nominees for judicial positions in very awkward positions because it turns out they don't know much about the law in some cases. Just checking boxes. So here he is giving us the summary of what he really thinks is going on in this hearing. The danger isn't that rogue justices are operating without ethics. It's that Democrats aren't winning every fight and they find that reality intolerable. I've been disappointed by Supreme Court opinions too. But my Democratic co colleagues should fill out a hurt feelings report and move on for the sake of the Constitution. That's 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 what we in the Free Beacon would call beast mode. That's well done. It's fantastic. I mean, it's just true. Yeah, yeah. It's just true. It's the reason they don't have any complaints about Katanji Brown-Jackson's no. oversights. And that's why some on the right think that, you know, oh, we need to, you know, play by their rules and then start you know, getting into these mud fights with, with, with everybody else the way they do. But honestly, this is, this is a new thing. Barton Swaim in the journal was talking about. It's not just, it's no longer, I disagree with you and your policies, and therefore I'm taking this position and I think you're wrong. It's delegitimation. Right. We have to prove not only that your opinions are bad, but that you are bad. And that as a result, there's no room for you to express any opinion at all in polite society, that we must marginalize those. And again, it just happens to be this amazing coincidence that the people they don't like are all threats to democracy. Yes, yes. By the way, in, in addition to Roberts saying no to testifying, they, the Roberts issued a letter signed by all the justices that includes their statement of ethics, principles, and practices, to which all the current members of the Supreme Court subscribe. Again, many of these stories include paragraphs really, real, real far down about yeah. how, in fact, these actions did not violate any of the ethics standards. Mm -hmm. Also, it's just fun to watch Congress be like, let us tell you guys a few things about ethics. Yeah. Okay, Congress. Yeah, really. Cool. Did you see that also on the same, on the same beat, Alito did this 
interview, yes. which is interesting because the justices don't do, they're not free handed with the interviews. No. No. But he's Justice Alito sat down with James Toronto. That's and, right. Uh, who did a lot of work. James Toronto did a lot of work in this whole Clarence Thomas mess. Right. And figuring out that, you know, there's no there there. And that ProPublica and Bloomberg really did not do a great job in trying to expose Clarence Thomas to these scandals that turned out to be uh, you know, non-scandals. Just, and he did, I mean, he did a real deep dive. Right. And, and so I, I, we should be grateful for that because that's more than... I could do to get into understanding about the kind of tax return forms judicial officers have to well, fill this out is part versus of it too, what is normal people fill out. This is part of it, too, is it's complicated it's enough very, that yeah, you yeah. can just sort of say, yeah. like, ew, isn't this icky? That's it. And that's, en- and that's, <laughs> that's th- enough. And that's enough. Particularly the thing about the, the house where his mother still lives, Clarence Thomas's mother, Leola oh, yes. Williams, who's like 94. Right. Right. And they're like, oh, didn't report this, you know, a partial income from a third of the sales. And- Everything is fine. And in yeah. fact, I think well, there were some errors said, on the other side. Yeah. And he said he didn't make a profit, which is why you don't you don't report it if you don't. Yeah. Anyway. So Alito. Yeah. So, Alito. So this. Alito speaks to yeah. James Taranto yeah. and David Rifkin. And he has a lot to say along uh, the lines of. Enough uh, was enough, I think. Yes. Along the lines of like, this is obviously a campaign to delegitimize yeah. the court. Again, delegitimization. And he's, I enjoyed the part where he's sort of standing up for them and saying, well, what they do is they. They cast aspersions, some of them truly disgusting. Mm-hmm. And then when we respond, we can either let it lie and then the charge stands. Or if we respond, oh, they charge us you. with lowering yeah. the court by responding That's right. or getting the mud on us that they just slump. Like there's there's sort of no way out. No, it's a win-win win for the other side. It's a win-win for the other side. This goes back, by the way, to the time of the State of the Union with Barack Obama talking about Citizens United. Yes. And to, to my mind, well, look. And they were there. We'd have to, ask Matthew, w- we'd have to ask Matthew Cotton because he'd yes. know better than I when right. this gentleman's, gentleman's oh, agreement yeah. was first violated. But in my living memory, mm-hmm. that was the first time that this sort of gentleman's agreement that you basically behave yourself right. with the court in front of you right. was violated. Right. was and, with Obama saying that at the State of the Union. Yes. And the difference was, of course, our reaction is, wow, can't believe Obama's saying these things, which is this this sort of, you know, very naked sort of partisanship against them. They're right there on a Supreme Court decision. But the other side's reaction was not that at all. It was it had to do with Alito shaking his head yes. and mouthing the word no, I believe. And everyone, including Dick Durbin, standing behind Alito and the other justices, clapping very loudly and saying, yeah, boo, you know, boo to you for that horrible decision citizens united and you're supposed and the the justice is supposed to not do anything and just sit there and take it yeah yeah well and alito is a trap alito's talking about an appearance that he did at george mason university where he had to do it via zoom because his security apparatus and the apparatus at the university determined that it would might be dangerous for him to do it there and this is the environment that the justices are now living in now some of that comes with the job but some of it has been well, it's certainly also, increased it's, over the last several years. Yes, it's thoroughly depressing, by the way, because it's George Mason. George Mason, which I is, know. It's down the road. It's not Oberlin. George know? Mason, where this this column from Toronto makes the point, they named their law school. Yeah. Scalia Law School. Right. Like this, right. <laughs> this should be a place you can go. So Alito says, he now says that the leak of Dobbs, which that was when that event happened, shortly right. after the leak of the Dobbs decision, 
quote, created an atmosphere of suspicion and distrust. We worked through it. And last year we got our work done. This year, I think we're trying to get back to normal operations as much as we can. But it was damaging. Yeah. And I'm with Alito that the leak itself was meant to damage the court. Like this is. But. Was it Chief Justice John Roberts directed the Marshall Supreme Court to investigate the leak. In January, she issued her findings. Investigators have been unable to determine at this time, using a preponderance of evidence standard, the identity of the persons who disclosed the draft majority opinion. Alito says she did a good job with what she had. He doesn't think that there was enough in, enough evidence to name a person publicly, but he oh. has a pretty good idea who did it, and he thinks he knows why. He doesn't. He also doesn't give away any sort of pronoun, a he or right. a she. So he was very careful about that. Do you think? that the person he thinks is the leaker is a clerk or a justice? I think clerk. Yeah. I don't think a justice would do it. I want to believe yeah. that a justice yeah. would not. Same thing. I think, it's, I think it's a clerk. And there was a rumor, and he mentioned this in the piece as well, there was a rumor that the leaker was somebody from the right in order to right. keep cohesion among the conservative justices and who he are about says, to rule on this. He says, in the wake of this, people have tried to assassinate us. Why would I? Why would we want to consolidate at that price? Right, right. right that's right, that's right. the that's question exactly that right. he says it's implausible that that would happen. He says, his quote: "It was a part of an effort to prevent the Dobbs draft from becoming the decision of the court, and that's how it was used for those six weeks by people on the outside as part of the campaign yeah. to try to in- intimidate the court." And by the way, and though I have some First Amendment qualms about this. Mm-hmm. The reason this law exists is so that you can't intimidate the court. You're not right. supposed to have protests outside of lawyer yeah. or of judges' homes. Yeah, yeah to try to sway to them, to try or to intimidate. sway them and intimidate them. And yet, the marshals have let ongoing protests happen, even in the face of assassination yeah. attempts by at least one guy yeah, who's been caught. Justice uh, Brett Kavanaugh's house, and yeah, at Kavanaugh's house, and. Merrick Garland says, no, 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 the marshals know that they can arrest people for doing that. However, Senator Britt of Alabama, new senator. I was going to say, that's a new name. Yeah, <laughs> she had, Katie Britt, she had notes from a training session with the marshals that oh, right. specifically said, mm, really use arrest as a very last mm-hmm. resort. We don't want to be. They have to be coming at you with the knife Yeah, and inside your house. But no, I mean, you know, it's like it's like turning into some awful scene from the Pelican Brief. Yeah. You know, they're going to just go after the justices and eliminate the ones they don't like. Mm-hmm. The other thing is, with these stories that are coming out, you know, there are assignment editors out there and they're telling investigative, they're working with investigative reporters to say, you know what, there's something about that Clarence Thomas. Mm-hmm. You need to go start digging into tax records. Right. And I don't feel like they're probably saying that about Sotomayor. Well, you know, there's something about Sotomayor. Yeah, we need to start let's digging check into her the tax Kagan records. record, yeah, guys. Yeah, yeah. I, I just don't think that's happening. So strange. Well, ProPublica has occasionally, like, someone has illegally leaked actual personal tax documents to yeah. ProPublica. So I guess we can just like wait for those to drop eventually sure. for whomever sure. we whomever sure. the Fourth Estate decides that they don't yeah. like at the yeah. moment, which weirdly is never a liberal. Mm-hmm. It's, right. By the way, could we get answers on who's leaking personal tax forms? Because that's bad. It's bad. Yeah. I understand that once you're a journalist and you have those right, you wanna, papers, you... that, like that that's part of how we do mm-hmm. things is that you can report on that. The person who is leaking yeah. from the IRS means that anyone in the U.S., your personal tax refer- mm-hmm. 
returns could be at risk if someone over there decides that they don't like you. Spoiler alert, as long as you're liberal, that will not happen. Yes. Also, <laughs> Mary Catherine, do you think that these pieces that are being done going after four or five, possibly now six, who knows, mm -hmm. of the Supreme Court justices who happen to be leaning toward the right, is it deliberate? And and if so, is this is this is there any sort of coordination? I like I don't remember know the, remember Ezra Klein's the journalist, right? Yeah, I think there's probably some. I mean, come on, it's all the same refrain. But I also mm -hmm. think they did it with the Harlan Crow story, and well, I think per perhaps the Kavanaugh story taught them like don't don't go quite that far, yeah. but maybe we can slime them with something a little less problematic, and so. I think the Harlan Crow got enough ink and enough attention mm -hmm. that they were like, could we do this to all of them? And then it's also become something that people click on because this is a story format that they're familiar with. They're like, oh, here's another one. Oh, and here's another one. Oh, here's another one. You know, they, they, they want to believe all this. Yes. Which is why. It's the same thing if you go back to all the stories about Trump going, you know, being arrested by, in arraigned by Alvin Bragg in New York. All the excitement about, oh, he's going to jail now. Right. Well, I want to see the picture of him in the mugshot. And then when that doesn't happen, they just, okay, who are we going to go after next? Yeah. And this this is, Clarence Thomas is in the crowd. They tried to do it with it through his wife, Jenny. That didn't work. Yeah, I don't know if you guys knew this, but Supreme Court justices' wives are not allowed to work. <laughs> that's not a thing. Yeah. yeah like you're that's not, right. In fact, it's, it's, it's a you're very- You're to stay home and- You stay home and you listen to whatever your husband yeah. tells you to do. That's actually how that's supposed to work. Yeah. I mean, look, like- Unless it's on the other side, then it's amazing. And then it's like stunning and brave. Yeah, stunning and brave. <laughs> stunning and yeah. brave. Oh, man. You know what? The media was celebrating itself this week oh, at the White oh, House Correspondents' oh. Dinner oh. and World Press Freedom Day. And the White House Correspondents' Dinner, look, I'm not going to say too much about it, but I am glad. I feel like the Trump years sort of burst that bubble. And now we went through a stage where we did the White House Correspondents Center became so glitzy and so stupid and so far removed from anything resembling journalism mm -hmm. that then it became something we all made fun of a lot. And then right. the discourse became so big around the White House Correspondents Center that the insufferable people who run the White House Correspondents Center had to overcompensate for it by being like, no, this is a very serious dinner, which we all know it's not. not. We give. We still see the pictures. We give scholarships here, and yeah. then they stopped having comedians for a while because they were like, "Well, Trump is such a grave threat to America that we can't possibly laugh yeah. while he's in office." And he's not showing up to the dinner. And he's not coming to the dinner. So now we're sort of back to normalish. Mm -hmm. And I think that I would say the stars in attendance seem to have gone down to like maybe a level down. It used to be there would be some oh, real A-listers, and now it's down to B word. and B right. and C. I would. I say. guess the, the the pinnacle was during. The first years of Barack Obama. Yes, because yes, everybody wanted. And to Tom Cruise came in quickly for that, and then left, which is yeah. crazy. I went during the Clinton and Bush years, and I remember the electricity in the air when I walked into one of those Hilton rooms mm -hmm. before the party, and I thought they were all excited about me. It was uh, another guy, a couple. It's actually just the shitty lighting. It at was the, the Hilton. <laughs> That's what it is. It is. It, it is, is really like bad. Throwing off sparks. It is. It That's is what it was. I said, "Wow, this for me." No, six <laughs> six feet away was Harrison Ford. Wow. Like, By the way, can you imagine being an A lister and coming to this event? Oh, they'll never come and back. Then, you, and then hold on, it's, it's, you it's walk into the Hilton. Yeah. yeah. Like it's very. And I know. I saw what he did. As which the was, kids say, it's very mid. The, <laughs> the DC. He, Hilton. he 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 went in to a little room, 
mobbed by photographers. So he's not actually talking to anybody now. And he just picked up a couple cheese cubes <laughs> and cracker. Hey, who among us? And I'm sure he's just thinking, this is it, you know? <laughs> so, yeah, so that event happened this weekend. Everybody partied it up. And like I said, I'm, I'm contradicting myself because I'm saying it's nice that we're free, you, you of, we're free of the discourse you, of the White House Correspondents Center, but here I am discoursing. You used to go. I did, I've been twice, I think. I, I uh, must have overlapped. I've been twice. And once was during the Obama years and once was during the Bush year. Were they okay. both during the Obama years? At any rate, my most memorable moment was the very bizarre moment when I was the only person having a drink at the table, I believe, but I was at a small bar table tucked away somewhere in the, I believe in the Hilton with Bill O'Reilly and Ricky Schroeder. Oh, that's the heart of conservatism right there. That's quite a, that's like a, you'd have a bizarre dream and be like, well, I was having a drink with Ricky Schroeder and Bill O'Reilly. The only person missing (laughs) from that table is like James Woods. Yeah. Was it Michael Moriarty from Law and Order? You know, they, I think Rick, Rick, Rick Schroeder went, he went away. Didn't yes, I shouldn't call him Ricky. He goes by Rick. Rick he's right Rick now, now yeah. Oh, that's Rick. good stuff. All right. So they did that. But what is there to celebrate? Well, let's dig into it. Let's find out what the public thinks about the press. All right. This is from, this is the AP reporting on the AP poll, which found this. By the way, it's an AP NORC poll. And every time mm-hmm. I see NORC, I think it's North Korea. Well, state media and state media. that's why, maybe. Okay. Just kidding, guys. (laughs) All right. When it comes to the news media and the impact it's having on democracy and political polarization in the United States, Americans are likelier to say it's doing more harm than good. Nearly three quarters of U.S. adults say the news media is increasing political polarization in the country. And just under half say they have little to no trust in the media's ability to report the news fairly and accurately, according to this new survey. The poll released before World Press Freedom Day on Wednesday shows Americans have significant concerns about misinformation and the role played by the media itself, along with politicians and social media companies, in spreading it. But that many are also concerned about growing threats to journalist safety. So, which I am too, that's like the more serious part of when when the White House Correspondents Center does something serious, it's focusing on the Wall Street Journal guy who's being held captive. It's, you know, those things are actually serious and important. I do. I did enjoy this little bit of the story. That breakdown in trust with the media. There's not, is there any soul searching in this article? Very little. <laughs> that breakdown in trust may prompt many Americans to reject the mainstream news media, often in favor of social media and unreliable mm-hmm. websites that spread misleading claims and that can become partisan echo chambers, leading to further polarization. It may happen in the future. That could, that could happen, but o- only if... People look outside the mainstream media, which assiduously does none of these no, things. They no, don't like, spread misinformation. They to, don't get to, caught in In other words, you need to come chambers. back yeah. and trust us. Whenever they come out with these polls, I mean, the thing is, if there's no breakdown about distrust in what specific media or what specific yes. network, then media on the left or mainstream will say, well, there you go. Of course they don't trust us because of Fox. Look, look, what, the, look what these look guys what are doing. doing. over at Fox, and this, not us. This you is, know. I have long written and complained about this because I, can't, I come from a media family, four generations of print journalists. There will not be a fifth because there will be no print anymore. But, <laughs> but they have to look at themselves and they never, ever, ever do. They're just like, gosh, these dumb Americans keep hating us for no yeah. reason. Yeah. Why 
why do they not trust us? It is so strange after just hearing the ridiculous slate of stories that we gave you about the Supreme Court. No, when you when you watch the, you know, like late night talk shows or you look at their, you know, I mean, I get the transcripts, I think, every well, you morning. you won't watch those this week. No, we there's won't. a writer show. That's right. So. Good. So it's a little break. But I, I get the, you know, those those transcripts and the jokes are completely obsessed yes. about Trump, the Senate Republicans, yes. Trump, the Senate Republicans. They In have fact, complete you know lack of self-awareness. They're just, yeah. They can hire Karine Jean-Pierre to write their jokes this week. Yeah. Same thing. Same thing. Same thing. Same. I, I also enjoyed this. This is buried deep in this piece. Overall, about six in ten said the news media bears blame for the spread of misinformation. Sixty percent, sixty percent of the American ple- people believe that the news media bears blame for the spread of misinformation, and they're not going to be like, "Huh, I wonder if we have something to do with that." Yeah, yeah. Again, th- there's never any moment of introspection like that. But the other thing I wanted to mention, Mary Catherine, is that it's going to be your great grandchildren who will one day be saying like. Listen, I come from four generations of podcasters. That's right. That's right. It starts with me, guys. That's right. It starts with me. My kids pitch podcasts to me. Like that they want like to, things to do. Yes. Like what kind of podcast uh, and things actually to talk one about. of them was very good. Yeah. My oldest I promise we won't No, no, it. my oldest said we should do a podcast. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. What's the podcast? And she's like, Well, I was thinking that we would since we've read the Narnia books, we could take parts from that and then compare them to the parts in the Bible that they're echoing and discuss that. <laughs> it's like, I don't know if I'm intellectually equipped for that, Georgia. That's deep stuff. <laughs> She's calling me to the car. She's making me do real work, guys. That would that that would not be a podcast I'm even eligible to <laughs> partake in. Yeah. It's good. Look, it's gonna require some work. Okay. I did um, see the movie. I'll ask your daughter. Does the movie count? Yeah, I you know. For the purpose of a podcast, probably so. <laughs> One last thing. Yeah. I did hear about a joke from Biden at the White House Correspondents' Center in his little set, you know, because the president does, a, does a set. Yes, of and course. They, and when you're a liberal president, you get to call in all of all Hollywood's now striking the, writers yeah. to write those jokes it's for you. because it's an honor. And he says, in a lot of ways, this dinner sums up my first two years in office. <laughs> Big laughter from the crowd. I'll talk for 10 minutes, take zero questions, and cheerfully walk away. Oh, oh yeah. the whole room laughs. They're laughing at Press. <laughs> he's just like yeah. I get taking a joke but this is sort of humiliating yeah this 80 year old just dunked on y'all he dunked on y'all in front of your faces and you're like yeah that's so good what ice cream flavor are you having right now so Golly. yeah pull it together that's why, right why don't they trust us all right oh we have debt ceiling news yes we do so In last- which I just adjusted today wait what Biden was initially not going to meet with oh, the Republicans. Oh, yes, 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 Now he kind of has to. So, yeah. And there's further news, too, in that Janet Yellen said, hey, we might hit the debt ceiling sooner than June yeah. 1st, sooner than we thought we would. And uncharacteristic, uncharacteristically, you may leave that in. I'm proud of it. A body of the U.S. Congress, yeah. the House of Representatives, led by allegedly incapable oh, speaker Kevin McCarthy gone in a week rallied the votes necessary to pass a debt ceiling bill out of the house last week several months not several months I guess a month before the deadline a month before the deadline this is so much better than Washington normally does right that debt limit bill in part freezes 2022 spending this is a bill by the way the debt limit debt ceiling hike 
yeah. it's something where you're trying to you're covering the costs of things that have already been paid mm. like already been committed exactly. this is not yeah. raising for the future this is raising to meet yeah, the, the obligations yeah. of the past that you know the biden administration just put like, like nine trillion or so on yeah. the pile so they say let's freeze spending levels now in washington speak of course this oh. is a terrible terrible cut because if you don't automatically increase then you're cutting which i find to be a and you gotta be giving people money you have to that's the job so it passes the house janet yellen brings up the the deadline democrats were basically hoping that mccarthy couldn't get his people together yeah that they wouldn't pass anything he called their bluff the whole time they've been saying we want clean vote we will not negotiate on anything and they thought they would run out the clock that mccarthy and republicans would be dysfunctional fair bet to be fair it didn't happen so now they're kind of cornered because the white house said it wasn't going to negotiate but now we've got a month till the deadline hits and lo and behold the republicans are the only ones who've done anything and they have passed what is not an unreasonable first bid certainly not something that you can't negotiate with we think it's not unreasonable (laughs) but they oh boy i believe the president called it a wacko and he called it wacko because there is this insane notion that to receive welfare benefits, if you were able-bodied, mm-hmm. that you'd have to have some sort of a job and work. That's crazy. And he called it whack. That's crazy. And if, if, if that's where they're coming from, I don't know if they will ever. What they want to do is this. Biden does not want to be left holding the bag. Yes. Right? I mean, it's just like a game of or whatever. The Pick your... Metaphor. It's like musical chairs, yeah. you know, and he doesn't want to be the hot potato. We don't, you don't want to be left holding it. And so I think you're right. He, initially, they thought they're not going to go through that. And once they do, maybe we could just say that what they pass is horrible. So we're not actually going to entertain it. But there's still the possibility but, that Americans will blame. Yes. Despite, in spite of whatever the Democrats, the administration and the media are going to tell you that that voters are going to blame them instead because they didn't get anything done. Right. They haven't done anything. So I think I think they thought if this happened, it would happen much later in the month and that they could sort of run out the clock and be yeah. like, well, now the deadline's here and you guys have to give us something clean. We're not doing yeah. anything other than the clean thing. Right. Except it. Except the problem is that it happened so early that now they have to look like they're doing things. So Biden has blinked. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy has accepted an invitation to meet with President Joe Biden on May 9th about the debt ceiling, according to a source familiar setting the stage for a high-stakes moment in a debt-ceiling standoff. Biden invited all four congressional leaders to the meeting. Following the bill's passage in the House, Biden told reporters he would, quote, be happy to meet with McCarthy, but not on whether or not the debt limit gets extended. The White House has maintained that the president would only accept a clean proposal to raise the nation's borrowing limit. Karine Jean-Pierre, I believe, echoed that. Extension to the debt limit so that conversations about budget and debt limit can continue, potentially to September or for any other period of time. What I can tell you is the president believes that it is the con- is the, it is Congress's duty uh, to get this done. Uh, it is their duty uh, to um, uh, to make sure that uh, we move forward uh, with um, uh, dealing uh, with the debt ceiling. But certainly, we're not going to negotiate in public. Uh, and our position is going to be very clear that Congress uh, needs to avoid a default. And I'll leave it there without conditions. Why is extension on the table at all? I'm. We won't negotiate in public on the, on any of this. Avoid default without conditions. It's Congress's job. Part of Congress just did the job. Yeah. But 
We'll see what happens next. They're supposed to do all the heavy lifting for President Biden, and then he just gets. And then, yes and then, the, not not just that. They have to do the thing. They have to put them themselves out there. They have to get crapped on the entire time. Yeah, that's right. The entire time. It's trimming a couple trillion dollars from something that's what sixty trillion dollars over the next ten or fifteen years, and that's too much for the Democrats. Well, this is why it's discouraging, and the, the, this is why, by the way, even on the Republican side, we're having a fight about how you can't talk about Social yeah. Security or any. Entitlements, even though they make up what more than 50, 60 percent of yeah. discretionary or of spending. No, total. something has to be done. Um, about something that. has to be done. But we are so incapable of talking about anything no. that pulls the reins. This is freezing spending yeah. at 2022 levels, which, by the way, are massively yeah. inflated no. because yeah. of COVID. They pumped is all that money, and yet we need more. Inhumane. Inhumane. Yeah. You're going to throw out with wacko, inhumane, cruel, you know, whatever. See what sticks. Do you remember how we're going? It's yes, uh, everything's going great. The need to like curb the entitlement spending, yeah, is it's only going to happen when you actually hit the wall. Oh no, it's going to be horrific. Yeah, and I remember someday when we realize that math is an actual thing. Yeah, it's going to be hard. Ten, ten or yeah, that's exactly right. Ten or fifteen years ago, I remember with Paul Ryan trying to come up with this plan for Social Security reform and promising, and Mitt Romney was the same way. You know, sixteen older. No one's going to touch it. You're all set. Yep. You're all set. Yep. Nothing to worry about. It's everybody below that, and even that was not acceptable. And you know, it's and and now I'm seeing commercials from Trump's "Make America Great." Oh no, Trump's uh, going to use it against as a, DeSantis. He will use it as a cudgel twenty four seven because yeah. he doesn't actually he care won, about yeah, DeSantis, math being real at all. No, no, DeSantis he loves wants debt, to, DeSantis wants to raise the you know the the the, the age of retirement. Sorry. These things have to be done. They will There's be no done other way without this. our. Yeah. Consent at some okay. point. Oh, by the way, the way to uh, McCarthy could only afford to lose what four votes. Mm-hmm. The way to push through the deal, ethanol. It's all about the ethanol compromise, ethanol subsidies. You do that, that because they all they're always going to ask for that somewhere out there in the Midwest. They need that ethanol subsidy. All right. All right. Uh, so, some good news, real okay, quick, cool. and then we're going to do a getting hammered yes. investigates, investigates, and, and uh, okay. Vix put some real work into this. I did. Okay. Some good news real quick, which is that a Republican Senator Cassidy, Bill Cassidy of Louisiana, he he's a doctor also. I think you've probably seen him asking questions about COVID and such. He's great because uh, then people can say to him, are you a doctor? Yeah, I am indeed. He is getting a Grammy a Gram- at the Grammys on the Hill Awards for his efforts on behalf of musicians in Afghanistan. Does that still count as a Grammy? Grammys on the Hill. I, is it the same statue? I'm not sure. It's the, is it exactly the same as the one oh, they I give Obama so. for like narrating a oh. nature documentary? I don't know. Or Cuomo for his oh. press conferences. Remember that one? Because they were so soothing. Oh, that was a good one. They was that an Emmy or a Grammy? Made, that, that was, was an Grammy. Emmy. Oh, okay. That was an Emmy. Uh, it was an Emmy-worthy performance. So during the fall of Afghanistan in 2021, Cassidy's office had been involved in efforts to help 272 young musicians, faculty, and staff escape to freedom. When the students were in buses awaiting outside Hamid Karzai International Airport during the chaos of the mass evacuation, Cassidy attempted to get them through the gates. He worked to get messages to the commanders of the airport to gain entry for the students. After the airport was sealed off following a deadly ISIS attack, he advocated to make the students a priority as paperwork issues became a problem and worked with the Qatar government on multiple occasions to secure safe passage for the students. The group was the largest evacuation out of Afghanistan and was the last major evacuation since the country fell to Taliban control. They now reside safely in Portugal, where they were offered official residency. It's a really nice story. That is for once good news. Do they know that he's a Republican? You know what? <laughs> they probably forgot to look that up. 
They thought surely, right? surely if he's helping these yeah, people, he must be a Democrat. On. Also honored will be Pharrell Williams, <laughs> who shares a birthday with me, by the for, way. Oh, really? Um, What's he being honored for? He, both he and Chuck Schumer, working together on like music-related mm-hmm. legislation. I thought it was for his role in the video blurred lines. Sorry. Thank you. On that note, let's move on to the oh, last sorry. story. Yeah, Getting yeah. hammered investigates. Okay, here we go. You have to explain it. Okay. I, I, yeah. I'm going to give you the, it's not censored, but I'm going to give you the official version that's run yeah. in a family newspaper. It's a medical this word. Is, this is a slight. It's an actual term in the dictionary. Okay, this is a slight content warning if there are children listening. Molly Grant was enjoying, this is the Los Angeles Times. Molly Grant was enjoying the Los Angeles, Angeles Philharmonic's performance of Tchaikovsky's Fifth Symphony on Friday at the Walt Disney Concert Hall when she heard what she described as a scream slash moan erupt from the balcony. Everyone kind of turned to see what was happening. Grant, who was seated near the person who allegedly made the noise, told the Times on Sunday in a phone interview. I saw the girl after it happened and I assumed that she had an orgasm because she was heavily breathing and her partner was smiling and looking at her like in an effort not to shame her, said Grant, who works for a jewelry company and lives in Los Feliz. It was quite beautiful. There are others There are others who sat near this sound yes. and said that it looked like she might have... That it might have been some, I don't know how these be, could be confused, but it might have been a narcoleptic attack from which she awoke and yes. cried out because yes. she was disoriented yes. or confused. Yes. So I just want to, there is a less salacious explanation. Okay. All right. But the people of LA, being the people of LA, mostly were like, I mean, I think it's pretty cool if she was moved in such a way. <laughs> so, Vic. Yes. Mary Catherine. What do you think happened here? Okay, I, I have, how much time do we have? 15, 20 minutes? My first question. This is actually a, this is a bonus episode this. Is a bonus, this. this should be a bonus episode, premium. Well, people will pay for this one. Was this a couple's thing? What do you think? So there was a couple there, but there is actually absent, it's conspicuously absent, no allegation that there was anything there was a, going like, on between the This is not the like two. in the upper bleachers of a baseball yes. game. That's or what I assumed we were going to find the, out. The back row of a darkened movie theater. This is what I assumed we were going to find out, mm-hmm. but there were people seated very okay. close to okay. this couple that All do right. not allege that. All right. I have heard the audio. Have okay. you heard the audio? I have not heard I the audio. I have heard the audio. It is a low guttural moan. Like, if that's what it is, it's not very exciting. It's kind okay. of like, oh, okay, that's... <laughs> That's, uh, yeah, I, Jennifer, I'm telling you, that's exactly how it went, okay? Okay. You don't even have to play the audio, because that's literally the sound. Okay. It's not like a high-pitched screen. Let me tell you a quick aside. When we were in the Cotswolds, staying at the manor, there was a wedding. So scared and this is going. And in the middle of the night, Oh uh, well. thank goodness everybody else I was sleeping. I'm a, a very light sleeper. I thought sleeper. the walls of a castle it were It could have been thick. haunted. It could have been haunted. And I'm like, three times, really? I was going to knock on the door and say, really? Really? Good so acting. You're- your point is that okay, okay. This, so, sound, so this sound was neither me, this sound was neither the Cotswold sound nor the no. when Harry met Sally. No, no, uh, no, no. It was just this, it was a long, drawn okay. out guttural moan. Okay. Now, the interesting thing is, she says, "Oh, maybe she was moved by Tchaikovsky's Fifth. And I, I've listened to part of it, and the part <laughs> that is, it's 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 a weird sort of quiet lull. It's not. Okay. This is not Beethoven's Fifth. Yeah, right? it wasn't doing not, it for you. This is not Moonlight Sonata's Presto Agitato, right? Okay, Which people okay. talk about." how he created this and women really, quote unquote, swooned to Beethoven's music. I don't think so at all. And I also thought, you know, this is not like in the movie Howard Stern's movie Private Parts mm-hmm. with the woman and the speaker. Okay. We won't get into those details. You have to look it up. Gotcha, gotcha. I understand your meaning. Here is what I'm going to say. 
it's perfectly plausible that she did fall asleep and woke up and made this kind of a noise. Okay. Because it happened to me once. Well, and I, also, yes, let it's me say, true. Let me also yes, say Mary that you're arguing against interest because what you I know, you what want, I want to believe is this was a hot moment true, yes. in the orchestra. That's another podcast. I can make the argument in the other <laughs> podcast. But this one here for this family, this is a family-oriented podcast. I'm telling you, this was like freshman year and I was rushing to go to some meeting about study abroad programs at Gaston Hall in Georgetown. Mm -hmm. And it was packed, and it was in the afternoon, and I fell into a deep sleep in the third row. Okay. <laughs> and I was next to my friend Nicola Howells, and suddenly, and the woman's vo voice was so soft, she's talking like that, I came out of the, 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 the sleep, and I went, ah, like that, <laughs> but much louder than what you just heard now. And it was probably one of the most embarrassing moments of my life. Oh. These things happen. Yeah. Maybe. But I'm telling you, it was a... Okay. Okay. I'll, I'll One, tell you what. I am 65%, 69% convinced that it is not. Okay. Well, the, the last quote on this from the LA Times, there was sort of a gasp in the audience, but I think everyone felt that that was a rather lovely expression of somebody who was transported by the music, that it had some kind of effect on them physically, or dare I say, even sexually. Transported. So that was Getting Hammered Investigates. Thank you for your work on this book. Yeah, good. I, I know. Readers can't see, but I'm smoking a cigarette right now. <laughs> okay, that wraps up this episode of Getting Hammered. Remember, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher, and you can follow me on Twitter at Victorina Mattis. I'm at MK Hammer on Twitter, at MK Hammer Time on Instagram. Thank you for getting hammered responsibly. Go listen to some Tchaikovsky, but do that responsibly too. This has been a Nebulous Media Podcast. Okay.